Football, baby! Welcome, welcome, welcome in. It's that time of the week. It is Thursday. It is time for Losing Sucks, and we are live, baby. It is your host with the most, Dustin Blanton, along with my trusty co-host, Travis Masterson. Travis, thanks again for joining me here. Yes, sir. On the Twitterverse. But today, as has been the trend lately with Losing Sucks, we are not alone. We are joined by none other than a wonderful all-around human being. He climbs mountains, he loves the Bears, and for whatever reason, he's okay with the Packers existing, so we'll get to that as we start talking to him. It's You can find him on Twitter, at Dave Kluge. It's Dave Kluge, everybody! Thank you so much for having me on. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great, man. The wonderful, one and only. Wonderful. Exactly. If there's another Dave Klug, I need to know because if <laughs> yeah. you uh, aren't the just right my guy, grandpa, as as far as I know, my grandpa is the only other one. Nice. Oh, so your dad just decided like I'm gonna name him after my dad. I'm not gonna take like how did that work out? Do you just decide like we're just gonna alternate every like is your grandson gonna be Dave really, then? Really boring. My my grandpa was David Michael Kluge. My dad okay. was Michael David Kluge, and then I'm back <laughs> to David Michael Kluge. I'm gonna buck the trend and just name my kid this something completely Steve. off the wall. That's amazing. Okay. I'm down with it. All right. All right. I like a little family history here on the show, especially when it it alternates. I like patterns too. Uh, But man, first of all, thank you for joining us. This is awesome to have you on. Um, Got to mix it up a little bit with you for the last few minutes right before the show. Um, As I said, you're a Bears fan. It's awesome to hear that. Certainly am. Yeah. Right now you can see the Lamar Jackson jersey. I do have Bears stuff all behind me as well, but you know, we're on the, sure. on the narrow view today, but yeah, lifetime Bears fan. Um, and, and I feel like there's a huge overlap between Bears fans and fantasy football analysts because it's like in our blood to love football, but our team right. has been terrible for the last 40 years. So yeah. people kind of take their love for football mm-hmm. and just project that into fantasy football. Yeah, other I'm teams. sure you notice it, but it seems like half of the industry is it, from yeah. Chicago and the other, the rest right. are all Cleveland fans and Buffalo fans. And it's just like yep. these, these tortured fan bases really That's get into rough. fantasy football. It has it's to be rough. the most prevalent NFL fan base in fantasy. You think for so? Sure. More than the Cowboys. You think it's more than the Cowboys? I think so. Cloud, uh, Cowboys can take a close second, but I do think. Yeah. I think you're right. I see a lot. I see a lot of support for it because uh, you hit it right in the head. Uh, I see the, what the Bears do, and then I'm like, oh man, you know who's really good this year? Since I'm switching focus, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are good. I like their players. We're we're going to focus on them this year. Yep. So I feel you on that, man. I feel you. Um, but yeah, man, uh, thank you for, for joining the show. We've got a fun, uh, a bunch of things we want to ask you, of course, keep it, keep it light. The first one, of course, look, I'll start off with the bears because you know, we're talking fantasy. Uh, I need someone to, to make me feel better about what we're doing here because now that these articles that, you know, quotes from Mike Martz, absolutely putting the bears in a grave, uh, this year saying like, ah, I've seen more, more talent uh on an Owen 16 lions team oof <laughs> like there's there's more hope right That's like ruthless. there's 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 gotta be it, it's more than just justin fields and mooney right ah uh, man dustin uh, uh, if, if you brought me on the show to hype up the bears i got some Come bad on, news man. for you man i'm not <laughs> expecting on, more than like I'm a realist. Three wins this it's year. okay to lie to me man <laughs> Yeah, you know, Adam Rank had me on his show uh, a while back, and we were talking about the Bears, and it was right after the draft, and I am a realist yeah. when it comes to being a fan, and I just, you know, oh, no. I wanted to talk about the Bears. You know, I think this is a pretty bad team, but, you know, they got a lot of salary cap next year. Hopefully, they get right. a good draft spot. Let's look forward to 2023, all of that stuff, you know, trying to look mm-hmm. forward, trying to find the silver lining. I was getting shredded yeah. in the comments the entire time because it's, you know, a bear show. And then after the show, Adam looks at me and he's like, what the heck, man? I invited you on my bear show. You can't just come on here and <laughs> yeah. rip on the bears for an hour. Uh, I didn't realize I was so supposed to hype him up. But, man, 2022 oh, man. is going to be bleak. I, I have oh, no expectations whatsoever sure. this year. Should have vetted how you felt about the Bears, man. (laughs) Here's what I'll say. From a fantasy (laughs) aspect, though, I think that there are some pieces of gold that you can find in this offense. Justin Fields is a guy that I love for fantasy purposes. Again, I think that the Bears 
probably aren't going to exceed five wins. I think like the best case scenario is five wins, but garbage time points still count. We got to remember just two years ago, Deshaun Watson on a four win Houston Texans team finishes the QB five. So he's going to be, you know, scrambling for his life a lot. And that's going to translate to a lot of rushing points on the ground. So I think that there's still some things to get excited about. And then also when looking at how targets are going to be distributed, I think it is going to be very narrowly focused through Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. So right. I think both of those guys, um, you know, they, they, they make for solid targets as well. The scary thing is the touchdown equity. I mean, we saw it last year. Yeah. Darnell Mooney had, what, 140 targets and yep. hardly finished as a wide receiver, too. And I yeah. could see something like that happening again where he could pull, you know, an elite target share. But if he only finishes with three or four touchdowns, right. he might not be great for fantasy. Justin Fields, though, is a guy that I am drafting a ton of. And and you could speak to this, um, Dustin, I'm sure. Yeah. Justin Fields wasn't supposed to start last year. I mean, he was supposed to kind of slowly develop. He didn't get any first mm-hmm. team reps with the off or any first team reps in the offseason. He was supposed right. to kind of slowly develop. And then Andy Dalton got injured. He had to step mm-hmm. in and he was abysmal. I mean, he was terrible for yeah, those first few awful. games. But if you look at the last four games, he did show some signs of being a decent quarterback. And most importantly, he averaged 64 rushing yards per game over those last four games. That's nice. Look at that over a whole 17-game season. That's 1,088 rushing yards. That is Lamar Jackson-type rushing upside. That's productive. I don't know if he can do it over a whole season, but I think 700, 800 yards is very realistic. And we can see a Jalen Hurts-type season from Fields this year. I think so. The second half of games is going to be a lot of fun for Komet, Mooney, Justin Fields, fantasy owners it's going to be it can be really rough in the first half of the actual game but come halftime and you know that's that 10 becomes 20 it's you know everybody's going to eat especially in ppr leagues because they're going to be coming from behind one guy that makes me nervous and i traded him i drafted him in in a 14 team league two nights ago traded him away the next morning for mike williams is david montgomery the reason why it makes me nervous, it's not volume. It's just that, like you said, touchdown equity. How many scoring chances are they really going to have? And of those, how many of those rushing touchdowns are going to fields? Probably more than you would want if you're going to take a guy in the third or fourth round. Um, my question to you about Montgomery is this. Given that he starts with San Francisco and Green Bay, is he somebody that you are okay buying for cheaper come week three or four? as the schedule loosens up a bit because that team that draft, if you're spending a third or fourth round on Montgomery and you go zero and two or one and three, all of a sudden you're in a position of having to make a move and you can get Montgomery. If you're three and zero or three and one, you can go get him for pretty cheap. Is that somebody you want or are you still staying away? Well, like I said, you know, I'm in on Justin Fields. I'm in on Cole Komet and I'm sort of halfway in on Darnell Mooney, I can't be in on everybody. And that means right. the one guy that I am out on at cost is David Montgomery. I just don't think that um, he's really going to be able to live up to his stock. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel about David Montgomery, but I just don't think that he's an ex- you know particularly great running back. You know, he kind of does everything well, but doesn't do anything right. great. And he's, he's uh, you know, he can be a three down back, but now we've got Khalil Herbert in the mix. And I think mm-hmm. that Khalil Herbert is going to take a much bigger chunk than people want him to. Um, you know, the new offensive coordinator, we saw it with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. You know, they're not going to feed any guy 80% of the snaps. It's going to be a, a, some sort of split. So that's why I think that we're drafting David Montgomery off of what he's done the last few seasons where Matt Nagy has really used him as a workhorse. And I don't think that he's going to have that workhorse right. role this year. So I, I think that he'll see his value dip and you'll be able to buy low on him. But I'm also afraid that it could be sort of a falling knife where his just value is just it. plummeting because he's not putting up mm-hmm. points. And then you end up trading for him, hoping that he's going to bounce back and he never really bounces back. And he's a guy who's seen 12 carries, two targets every single game, you know, finishes the year with yeah. three or four touchdowns. And, and and Montgomery is just a guy that I'm almost completely out on at cost this year. So even if he starts yeah. fine, let's say he starts with 20 touches a game. The first two goes for 85, 200 and finds a way in the end zone both games. Is it fool's gold? You're still staying away. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and I mean, if, if he does that, yeah, at that point, you know, if I have him, because, you know, I, I'm in a ton of drafts and every once in a while players will slide. I can't say that I'm going to have 0% exposure on David Montgomery because maybe something crazy happens and he slips to me in the fifth or sixth round of a draft and I end up having him. If he starts off that hot, you better believe I'm trying to sell high wherever <laughs> yeah, I can. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, it. You said you're in a ton of drafts. That's one thing I noticed when I was reading some of your stuff. You were in 500 drafts. What What are you doing? 
How? Uh, <laughs> underdog fantasy. So uh, I don't know if you guys do underdog or yeah, basketball yeah. at all. Yeah, we don't. We the, do I, underdog, but what you do? I feel is, like a hundred is not, a lot. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's yeah, not some, yeah, a lot of people do underdog. You are underdog. Like that's yeah, like, I, I at do that it, point. <laughs> I, I do it quite a bit. Um, and it's something I kind of dipped my toes in last year. I did like 150 drafts last season and. Uh, made some money on them and said, wow, this is a lot of fun. So this year I said, I'm going all in. And you know, now I do some best ball articles. I've got a show that I do with James Brimacombe every single Tuesday where we draft teams as well. And pretty much my plan is anytime they open up these small contests where it's a $3 buy-in or a $5 buy-in, I try to max it out. And and I basically want as many darts in that contest as I possibly can. So looking at like the big tournament, you know, the $25 buy-in, I'm not going to max that out just because that's going to cost a few thousand dollars, but yeah. if they're doing a $3 tournament with 150 max entries. I'll throw 450 right. bucks in there and I will just immediately draft 150 teams and make sure that I have as good of a chance as anybody to take down that entire tournament and right. win $50,000. So what you're saying is when we that. see these $3 capped leagues, don't get in them because you've already won them. Uh, well, you know, I'm not throwing, the only one throwing, either. You throwing know, $10, $3 teams in there is like, yeah, not you're not winning that. So, so you know, I say 500 over the entire offseason, and that sounds crazy. Like I said, right. my co-host, James Brimacone, you want to talk about a volume drafter. This guy had done 1,000 drafts before the NFL draft, before the NFL draft even happened oh, from February man, that until is desk so bored, April. Like, he did 1,000 drafts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think I'm a degenerate, and then, you know, I talk to some of these other guys, and it kind of puts it into perspective for me and makes me feel like I'm not nearly as bad as some of the others. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm doing just fine. Wow, that's incredible. I, hey, hats off to you. I mean, that's that's some dedication, and wow, I mean, you got to be like – like, well, how many drafts a day would you say you do then? Uh, I mean, I've had some days, you, you got to remember, I'm coming off a shoulder injury where I, uh, you know, I, I had surgery and I was basically posted up in a recliner, unable to do anything for two months. So that's kind of how I got through my shoulder recovery was doing gotcha. somewhere between, you know, 25, 30 drafts a day. But what I'll also say is that I can do multiple drafts at once. So I'm at the point now right. where, you know, I input my rankings in there and I'll fire off five quick drafts at the same time and you know kind of oh, auto drafting off of my rankings for the first few rounds and then you know building in as as the drafts go on but you know you also mix some slow drafts in there you know one day i'm bored and i'll just enter 50 slow drafts and then over the next couple of weeks i'll knock out 50 slow drafts so yeah it was a uh, best balling was pretty much a part-time job for me this offseason i like okay. it i like it. You, uh, it passes the time do you find yourself drafting a lot of uh miles sanders in these drafts Oh, not especially. Uh, Miles Sanders isn't a guy that I'm too crazy about. Love the talent, but he told us not to draft him. Like, this guy yes. was on a podcast a month ago, and he <laughs> yeah. said, do not draft me in fantasy football. I don't know how much clearer it can get than that. Yeah, you don't I, get that too often. <laughs> I, what you said, he is talented. It's not that you don't believe in the talent. It's just that the situation, whether it's a crowded backfield or hurts legs or the coach not believing fully, whatever the case is, Sanders has not been able to take the next step. But when you watch him play, you say he could be a top 10. His talent is top 10 level in the NFL. He's a, yeah. he's electric. He can do everything. Why they don't give him everything, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But if he continues to slide into the 7th, 8th round, I have been taking a lot of him just on the upside that Gainwell is not necessarily injury proof we we always he i feel like he plays the whole season or played the whole season with the questionable tag and now he's starting the season with a little hip injury if gainwell like if news came out tonight gainwell is supposed to miss eight to 12 weeks where would you put sanders i i think then he gets you know probably a three-round bump i think he, yeah that's a he's, now he's in the bump. third or fourth right yeah so, so it doesn't uh, that, that's take a good way to look at it for somebody that good to be a league winning type guy. I think looking at it right now, though, we're kind of looking at a three headed committee and, and that's what's right. frustrating. And when you look at the touches, you want those high value touches for running backs, high value touches, of course, being targets and goal line work. And that's where right. I think Miles Sanders doesn't fit in at all. I think that he's probably going to see, you know, a healthy Miles Sanders probably sees 200 carries this year. But last year. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, you know, his strength was in the passing game. He looked really, really good as a pass catcher. Um, he was sixth in yards per route run, which for a rookie is phenomenal. So I think so that when good. you're looking at how this is going to break down, um, Kenneth Gainwell is going to see all the passing down work. And then Jalen Hurts is their de facto goal line back. So what we could see with Miles yeah. Sanders is 150 to 200 carries throughout the season. Might get another, you know, 30 to 40 targets in there. But with him not getting targets and him not getting 
passing down work. You know, it could be a 1,200 yard season with three touchdowns and hardly any catches. Really good for football, not so great for fantasy output. Right. Yeah. Especially for where you're having to take him. Yeah, I, I like Gainwell. That's a, that's a that's a good point. I think his uh his history as a receiver, especially in that system. I mean, do you really want a check down back even if if that's what you want to call a, a potential for Miles Sanders with a rushing quarterback like Hertz who doesn't check it down much? You know, like that that there's not much meat on the bone, so to speak. Um, and, and when you when you're doing all these drafts, you kind of have to plant flags and. Yeah. I planted a flag on Kenneth Gainwell, and that's a guy who right now he is in my top five rostered running backs overall. I just cannot stop drafting Kenneth Gainwell. Wow. You, know, you can get him four or five rounds after. And like you said with Miles Sanders, you know, if something happens to Kenneth Gainwell, yeah, Miles safe. Sanders jumps up three or four rounds. If something happens to Miles Sanders, Kenneth Wall or uh sorry, Kenneth Gainwell is all of a sudden, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick. So yeah, it kind of right. goes both ways. So for me, you know, it is a cloudy backfield, and a lot of times you're better off just taking the cheaper option in that ambiguous backfield because injuries happen, trades happen, you know, so much volatility with the running back position that sometimes it just makes sense to take the cheaper option. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it, it definitely goes both ways with the injuries. Man, Kenneth Gainwell, I just I salivate at at the the upside. Um, is there anyone that you're you have a tough time though, like? deciding between when you're in you know you know the thousands of drafts i'm sure um so like miles sanders was the guy that travis said he has um where do you typically have a tough time deciding okay do i go running back like maybe the value starting to shift or is there a round or two that you see where the uh the values tend to turn there so i think um and, and i just actually tweeted somebody asked me about this one of the fa favorite spots to draft and I noticed there's a big tier fall off in the middle of the third round. So I think that this year it's very advantageous to have an early round pick in the first round. First of all, you've got that top five that I feel like is pretty clear cut and solidified. And, you know, of yeah. course, I'm talking about Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Jonathan Taylor. However you want to, you know, mix those five people up. I don't think it really matters. Uh, you can make a case for any of them to go first overall if you really want to. But I think that's kind of the clear cut top five. And I think if you get one of those picks, you know, Barring injury, you've got somebody that has a very good potential to finish number one overall at their position. And then I like that even better when you get to the second and third round, because that's where I feel like there's right. a pretty big tier fall off. You know, if you're picking early in the third round, you can get a Kyle Pitts, Michael Pittman, right. AJ Brown, Leonard Fournette might slip there. But once you look at the back half of the third round, then all of a sudden it's Marquise Brown, Jalen Waddle. I feel like there's a huge difference in talent. So for me, I you know, that that's what I like is picking early in the first because I feel like I get, you know, one of those stud top five picks and then you're getting two really good players at the two, three pick. And, and you know, when you're picking late in the draft, you can really load up with two early guys at the, at the one, two turn and get two really good guys there. But then I feel like the talent at three, four is lacking. And, you know, yeah. the kind of the best guys available there, Brees Hall and Allen Robinson, good players, but they don't have nearly the upside that those guys in the early third do. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I haven't had... In best ball, actually, on underdog, I think I have like a 30% exposure to Christian McCaffrey over like 120 leagues. It's been wild. Just taking uh, him one overall? Either one overall <laughs> or earlier in the summer, in the spring even, you've got Taylor, Cup, JJ. People were just not ready mm -hmm. to say Christian McCaffrey deserves the one or the two. So I would take him as late as eight in February, March, April. And it just, every time I see him, I would take him. And now if I get beyond eight, he's obviously going much earlier. I'm doing the same thing with Travis Kelsey. When it gets to nine, I'll go Kelsey and then I'll go probably best running back on the way back and then load up receiver the next three or four. Um, Kelsey is somebody that I tweeted about today and it, it sparked some good conversation. People are not sold on Kelsey continuing to do what Kelsey has done. People are thinking the age is finally caught up to him or they need Tyreek, or now it's crowded with Juju and the rookie and MBS. I stand on the side of until Travis Kelsey doesn't get 1,100 to 1,300 yards, I think he's going to do that. Do you believe that we see the same Kelsey, or do you think we start to see a decline? I mean, father time's undefeated. We hear it all the time, and no tight end over the age of 32 has ever eclipsed 1,000 yards, and that's where Travis Kelsey is right now. So either he falls off the age cliff like every other tight end in his age has, or he defies history. And so, I mean, those, those are the two outcomes this year. Either yeah. he has a historic season or he falls off like everybody else. 
I'm going to bet on the talent just because it's it's Travis Kelsey. I mean, you, you can't not bet on Travis Kelsey. Right. I'm kind of yeah. with you. As long as in, until he stops putting out 1,100 to 1,300 yards every single season, that's kind of what you've got to expect for him. And I think that now he's just going to see even more work. I think that he benefited from Tyreek Hill. You know, anytime you got Tyreek Hill on the yeah. field, that's going to be a focal point of the defense. Now they're going to turn their sights on Kelsey a little bit. But we've seen this guy can beat linebackers defensive backs it doesn't matter anybody that's matched up on him he can outrun he can outcatch he can break tackles so i'm not extremely concerned about kelsey and that's where i've got him too um you know i just tweeted out this thread the other day kind of walking through my process of how i'm attacking drafts and there are times where i'll take kelsey as early as 106 you know once we get out of that top five that i talked about there's sometimes where just to you know get some contrarian builds that are a little bit different not adhering straight to adp i'll take kelsey as early as 106 and feel pretty comfortable the Chiefs force touches to him, like in so many different ways. It's not you're never gonna say with Kelsey, oh well they double teamed him or they took this way and they struggled to get him the ball. They're going to get him the ball, even if it's out of the backfield or in the slot or they line him up outside or at quarterback and run a wildcat. Like there's they've done everything with him because they realize he needs the ball in his hands. I I just the shovel passes right up the gut of the goal line. You always yeah. love the guys that are great, and especially if you've had them on championship-winning teams. But I am, I'm far from being done uh, touting Kelsey as a first-round pick. I, I think the one thing I'll say about Kelsey that's kind of a knock towards him a little bit, not a knock towards Kelsey, you know, the player or the talent or anything like that, but I don't know if there's a huge tier break this year. You know, Kelsey has always been the guy that's in a tier of his own. And now with Kyle right. Pitts and Mark Andrews, I have all of those guys bunched together in the same tier. And you got to play ADP to some respect. But if ADP was reflective of Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews being early second round picks, I'd be okay taking them in the late first. I think that they are that good. They have tight end one in their range of outcomes. The nice thing, though, is that you can get these guys in the early third round pick. Or, you yeah. know, you don't have to pay up for them. So as much as I like Kelsey, if I don't get him in the first round, I'm I'm just as happy getting Kyle Pitts or you know Mark Andrews the next round or Kyle Pitts two rounds later. I feel like all of those guys have very similar ranges of outcomes. Right, for sure. Yeah, I, look, I, I've been on the Kyle Pitts train for a while, um, trying to trying to convince Travis that he he is going to be the next Kelsey has been a task. I, um, I don't think it's Kyle Pitts' fault. Obviously, when you watch him play, you see this is the next Kelsey. However, it's the situation and the quarterbacks that they have. I just don't think it's time yet. I don't think that he's going to pay off a second or a third round. I think his ceiling is 1,000 yards, 1,100 with six touchdowns. We'll see. Interesting. I mean, that that's pretty darn good for a tight end. And we got to remember yeah. that Marcus Mariota, you know, we haven't seen him play in a while, but Marcus Mariota, his favorite target the whole time he was starting in Tennessee was Delaney Walker. Yeah. So, I mean, right. he has a penchant for really throwing two tight ends. Um, so, you know, Kyle Pitts, I, I can go on and on and on about this guy. Absolutely. I wasn't too crazy about drafting him last year just because I thought there was a lot of risk with him being a rookie and, you know, historical rookie production from the tight end position. But now it seems like his value hasn't budged at all in Dynasty. Like Kyle Pitts now is going for the same price that he did prior to ever playing an NFL game. And now he has all yeah. of the risk removed because he has hit the parameters yeah. and he's already showed what he can do, put up the best rookie season of all time. Unless you want to go back to, to, to Mike Ditka. I mean, yeah, you know, Mike, what Kyle Pitts did last year was great. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, it and was. yeah, the touchdowns are scary, um, but that's also kind of a Matt Ryan thing. You know, Matt Ryan, even when he had Julio Jones and Roddy White and Tony Gonzalez, he's just not a huge touchdown scorer for whatever reason. When he throws those touchdowns, they always go to the ancillary receivers. He never throws to his main target in the red zone. So I think that's kind of why we didn't see the touchdowns with Kyle Pitts last year. I see that regressing a lot this season. Is that a Paris Campbell I, comment you just made? <laughs> Paris Campbell. <laughs> I, more guy. so Ashton Doolin, I think. I love yeah, some I Ashton like, Doolin, I like too. Doolin. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought Matt Ryan up because he's. Uh, it's a perfect segue into the, kind of the next thing I wanted to ask you about is so you brought up Michael Pittman as being a, a guy that maybe you target at the early third, a guy that I've seen rising up and has been uh, taken around that, you know, third, fourth uh, round area is Allen Robinson. So where do you, where's the break here? Because the, they're two hot names right now in fantasy and it's, you know, a lot of people are going to be facing this decision. You just mentioned maybe Matt Ryan has some trouble throwing touchdowns. Maybe that, you know, finds its way over to affecting, you know, the upside of Michael Pittman. What are your thoughts on on those two? And where do you uh, where do you find yourself taking these guys? You know, I, I am. These are two of my most rostered guys. And 
Uh, love the early offseason when you're drafting, and I was getting M- Michael Pittman in the fifth and sixth round of drafts, right. and now you got to really pay up for him. But I, I still feel like he's a, a great value. You know, I was just tweaking my rankings this morning and saw that I am much higher on Michael Pittman and Allen Robinson than the consensus. Michael Pittman is my wide receiver seven. Allen Robinson is my wide receiver 12. So I am very yes. bullish on those guys. Yes, and, and I, I, I did a show with uh, Marcus Grant earlier today, and and I said that that Mark that Allen Robinson was you know a top twelve guy for me, and he said I've got him inside my top fifteen, and I feel like I'm too low on him. So it feels like everybody is warming feel. up. And you got to feel Marcus Grant. You know he works across the street from SoFi Stadium. He's in there watching these right. practices, and yeah. and from every report out of campus that Allen Robinson has been tearing it up. Dustin, you're a Bears fan. You know this. Yeah, Allen Robinson has been a dog, and last year it's not that yeah. he just you know all of a sudden sucked at football. He just gave up. And honestly, I don't yeah. blame him. Like, you know, the Bears, no. he, he made it very apparent that he wanted to be with the Bears long term. And they said, well, right. here's your franchise like, tag. No. The same week that they franchise tagged him, they were whining yeah. and dining Kenny Galladay and offering him $60 million Kills a year. Me. So I yeah. completely understand why Allen Robinson checked Absolutely. out last season. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Why would you why would you sacrifice your body, your future when obviously the team is not invested? They're not they're not putting the best guy in the best position, even, you know, Andy Dalton. And then you don't want to give your rookie any time uh, to, to acclimate in the, the offseason. So, no, why would you why would you give your all risk an injury when you have a contract you're coming up? And now look at him. Look at the position he's in. It's I love hearing that he's he's tearing it up. Um, I couldn't agree more though that the the value was there with Michael Pittman, and then people started to really catch on to oh, this guy's not just a big body, you know, fly down the receiver, you know, Mike Williams early in his career kind of guy. He can run routes. He and I think that's really what we're gonna see with the Colts this year is um a lot better usage. They're you know n- he's not Carson Wentz. He can actually make those intermediate throws and he's very accurate. So I'm I'm looking forward to the work that he's gonna do. And, you know, last year it was kind of weird how people had completely written off Michael Pittman. I wrote an article about him last offseason, and I said, what are we doing here? This guy was two picks away from being a first-round pick. He's got a speed score inside the 90th percentile. He's six foot four. He can run every single route in the tree. Like, he is a very polished, good receiver. And if you remember last year, he was getting drafted in the 15th, 16th round. I mean, you can get this guy at the very end of your draft. And I didn't understand it. So I had Michael Pittman everywhere last year. I was trading second round picks in Dynasty for him. I've got Michael Pittman on all my rosters. Beautiful. And even now with the spike in ADP, I feel like he is still a great value. Um, Talked about this the other day, but he broke out on 129 targets last year. Mm -hmm. He did not get force fed the ball. 129 targets is not a lot. And if you look at Matt Ryan dating back to 2009, he has averaged 161 targets per season to his wide receiver yes, one. So we should yeah, be seeing wow. even more work going Michael Pittman's way this season. And not just more work, but more accurate targets as well. I mean, this could be the year where Michael Pittman elevates himself into that you know, high-end, elite wide receiver one tier. Do you prefer him to Allen Robinson right now? I do, yeah. Yeah, just by a little or clearly every time you're taking him. Yeah, he's got him. Yeah, about, wide about two rounds. Seven. Okay. Yeah, he's he's my wide receiver seven. So it's Michael Pittman at seven, um, Higgins at eight. I got a few other guy. Um, I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um, Tyreek Hill, somebody else, yeah, and then Allen Robinson. AJ Brown. Oh, that's it. Yeah. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Yeah. Debo is him, thirteen, and oh my god. Thirteen. And, and I had wow. to keep these re- rankings today. Okay. Uh, our football guy social did you media get for that? team. Uh, well, and, and this is another one where Debo. Banging the drum for him. He was my my guy last offseason. I had him on every single roster. I spent all offseason saying Debo is the guy you want in San Francisco. Brandon Ayuk is not the guy. I mean, it was just I, right. I spent all offseason hyping up Debo Samuel, and he blew away my expectations. And now I think that he's getting a little bit overdrafted. I don't think yeah. he's going to keep scoring from 80 yards out consistently. I don't think he's going to be getting goal line touches. So um, it's, you know. I, I love Debo Samuel, a pay, player, but not crazy about him where he's getting drafted in the second round. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Uh, I mean, we all have our guys. We all have guys we want to succeed. Now, like, I, I love that you were on top of Debo. He's a guy that I, I hate that I, I kind of fell off the train a little bit heading into year. Uh, what was it? Was it, it was his year, third year last year. And I hate, you know, I was huge when he came into the league. I was a big fan. Still is fan, you know, year two. And then I'm like, you know what? I got to temper the expectations. Maybe he's just one of those guys that they use him in ways he's going to get hurt. And then, of course, last year happens, and I'm like, okay, well, there there, there it is. Um, one guy I'm kind of like that right now is is Brees Hall. And, I, I look, 
now that Michael Carter's the running back one, I feel like we should get some value um, heading into <laughs> heading Stop. into draft. Stop. <laughs> I need to sell the narrative. You know, we. I, I see this. Uh, look, as soon as I saw that, I was salivating. I'm like, please, somebody buy into this, please. I drafted Brees Hall at. 58th overall in draft today like people are buying into the michael carter running back one talk and he's sliding into the fifth and sixth round i'm loving it i still think this is the year justin jefferson passes bc johnson i think this is gonna happen (laughs) i feel like we're finally here we finally made it yeah Uh, is marlon max still the uh guy that's you know keeping jonathan taylor from breaking out right Uh, is a stud (laughs) there's there's no chance Brees hall is going to be an absolute stud i'm not concerned about him in the slightest and we see this all the time with these rebuilding teams where they'll take a fifth or sixth round rookie and just feed him a ton of volume and he looks really good and then when they make that switch from like okay we're not rebuilding anymore now it's time to actually win some games the first thing that team does is go out and spend a premium draft pick on a running back and we saw this with the jacksonville jaguars you know james robinson had two great years and then the team went out and brought in travis Etienne. we saw it with the, the bears if you want to go back a little while jordan howard fifth round pick had two great seasons and then the team went out and brought in david montgomery and i feel like that's just where Michael Carter is right now, you know, had a great rookie season, but the team, you you don't spend an early second round pick on a running back unless you plan to feature him. Right. That's a good point. It's a good point. You also don't, uh, you also don't bring in a quarterback without some weapons, right? Uh, I'm of course talking about Russell Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, we could, we we could stay. I try to avoid talking about the jets. I, I bring up Brees Hall. I'm like, all right, we're in the jets. Like, Outside of Brees Hall, is it really just Elijah Moore and no one else? Like, I really like Garrett Wilson. Really? Okay. I do. Big fan of Garrett Wilson. And and this is another one of those, you know, when we were talking kind of earlier about Miles Sanders and uh, Kenneth Gainwell, and I prefer the cheaper option. That's kind of how I'm looking at these receivers, too. I mean, Elijah Moore was great last season. But Garrett Wilson, right. they went out and they spent a top 10 pick on Garrett Wilson, and he's getting drafted six rounds later. That's crazy to me. I mean, Garrett Wilson, yeah. Garrett, he, he's a polished pro ready receiver um i think that there's a good chance that elijah moore outscores him but i don't know if he's worth the extra you know four to six rounds that you have to pay up to get him okay so speaking of that that that's the next thing on our show sheet is number two wide receivers on their teams do you find yourself taking more of the number twos at their costs or are there certain number ones that you think are absolutely worth their price tag for example keenan and mike williams uh chase anti higgins cup and robinson sutton judy the list goes on and on do you as an identity as a drafter do you find yourself saying i'll take the second guy cheaper most of the time or do you want the one on certain teams clearly you know i i do find myself going for the second guy often and you know one one guy that you didn't mention or one team you didn't mention we already talked about a little bit the eagles but i love devonta smith and that doesn't mean that i dislike aj brown but getting Devonta Smith in the eighth round as so opposed to A.J. Brown in the right early now. third is wild to me. I mean, this guy's coming off a 90-target season where he was beating number one defensive backs. Now we get some of the pressure taken off of him. So I look at every single team a little bit differently, and I feel like you kind of have to. I just recently did a show with J.J. Zacharyson on my show where this is exactly what we talked about, these kind of ambiguous wide receiver rooms and how we're attacking them. And we went through team by team kind of discussing all of them. And there's some teams where we said, you know, both of these guys are great values. If we're talking about yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals, for instance, Give me Jamar Chase at ADP. Give me T. Higgins at ADP. Give me Tyler Boyd at ADP. I will take everybody in the Bengals passing game at ADP. Then there's some other ones. Like, I don't think we should be paying up for Keenan Allen the way that we are. You know, the age approach is the age cliff is approaching for him. Uh, We saw what Mike Williams could do in that X receiver role last year. And I think that we might see a little bit more of it this season. So I look at every single team a little bit different. And while I do prefer a lot of the cheaper options, there's some guys that I'm okay paying up for. You know, give me Cup in the early first, give me Sutton over Judy. Um, you know, Chase and Higgins, I'm happy with both of them. Uh, Diggs but is somebody every into team. the first, start of the second. The the gap between Diggs and Davis to me is enormous. Um, and I, I prefer uh, Diggs there personally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I prefer the yeah. price of Diggs as even if it's a first or an early second, right yeah. at the and, turn, and, as opposed to saying, Oh, I'll get Davis in the sixth. Like you don't know yeah. what you're getting yet. Yeah, and I, I think Gabe Davis's ADP is so inflated right now, and I think it's, it's because wild. we're in best ball season where people want to stack so much, and they spent a first-round pick on Stephon Diggs, spent a third-round pick on Josh Allen, and then they're like, well, you know, I don't want to miss losing out on Gabe Davis. So come the fourth round, they pull the yeah. trigger on Gabe Davis, and it's just skewing his ADP. Gabe Davis is a player that I like. I think that the opportunity is there for him to break out. 
but he profiles as like a sixth or a seventh round pick, not where he's going right. in the fourth or fifth. Yeah, I think it's gotten out of hand for sure. It, but it just comes down to one primetime game in the playoffs. Even if he just has one touchdown or two touchdowns, it's like he's still a seventh or eighth round pick. One game. And, and we have short and memories. That's what skyrockets. Yeah, for sure. Kyler Murray has one bad playoff game, and now you can draft him in the seventh round. It's I mean, unreal. That's it, like, I have you know, so we, much Kyler, and I don't even love rooting for Kyler, but I'm like, I same. can't pass that. I can't pass that. Yeah, there is such yeah. an edge that you can get in fantasy football just by pivoting off whatever the postseason overreaction from the year yes. before was. Early yeah. dynasty, it was like that. I was getting Allen Robinson so late, and mm-hmm. Dustin and I were talking in March, April, and I'm like, I have Allen Robinson everywhere. He's my number one receiver yeah. owned in best ball, and it's not right. from this past month or two. It's all from March, April when people were like, He's done. He's done. It's like he's you know, he's on this offense. He's far from done. He threw in the towel, like you said. It, he didn't just yeah. start sucking at football. Yeah. Well, you yes, same thing with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. Look, I hate talking about the Packers. I I almost didn't want to bring it up, you know, but I feel like he's someone who people assume that he just sucks at football now because he doesn't have Devontae Adams, and I I don't understand it really. Like he's. Two two MVPs now, and then he's what? Where he's going as the what? The QB thirteen, thirteen, QB thirteen right. or fourteen? I think it's fourteen. Last I saw, and this has been, and again, I'm a Bears fan, but I yeah. am all in on the Packers for fantasy football this year. I've written yeah. articles on Alan Lazard. I've written articles on Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Aaron Rodgers. I am in right. on everybody in Green Bay, and and the numbers show it. And it's it's not a small sample size either. Since Sean or um. I almost said Sean McVay. Since um, why <laughs> am I totally LaFleur. drawing a blank right now? Lafleur, yes. Since yeah, Lafleur yeah. showed up in 2019, Aaron Rodgers has been playing the best ball of his career: 111 touchdowns and 13 interceptions over the last three years. That's bonkers. QB six last year, QB three the year before that. But what's even wilder is since 2019, we have a seven game sample size where Devontae Adams didn't play. So this isn't you know one game that I'm extrapolating. We're looking at almost half a season. Yeah, and in those games, higher touchdown rate lower interception rate. He averaged 50 more passing yards per game. And it's just Aaron Rodgers is a great player, but he had this, you know, you'd see he would force feed the ball to Devontae Adams. You'd see first down, second down, third down from the one yard line. He'd throw three straight targets to Devontae Adams. I think they both kind of wanted to pad each other's stats a little bit, but when Devontae Adams isn't in the game, you know, LaFleur just calls such a good game and he's able to scheme players to get open. And then when Aaron Rodgers right. goes through his reads, I think that he's just a better player. And, um, you know, I've, I've kind of been the Alan Lazard guy all offseason beating the drum for him. I love it. But I think that Alan Lazard's going to have some huge weeks. I think Randall Cobb's going to have some big weeks. We're going to see Christian Watson pop on some weeks. And it's just similar to what you see, um, you know, Shanahan doing, um, you know, just scheming individual players up for every single game. I think that we're going to see that same sort of, um, mindset from LaFleur this year. And I think that Rodgers, I mean, we, we know that he's a very much so like a chip on his shoulder guy. I think that he might yep. just go scorched earth this year and have one of the best seasons of his career just to spite Devontae Adams. I love that you're yeah. saying this. I have a draft just, coming up at, at 9.15, and I had planned yeah. on Hurts in the sixth if he's there, but now I'm tempted to say just yeah. wait on Rodgers. You were the first one on Lazard. I have to give you your flowers here. As far as Twitter goes, you were absolutely the first one to say Alan Lazard is going to be that dude in this offense. And yeah. I started watching more Alan Lazard, following all of yeah. your arguments, all your, you know, you were showing your work. You weren't just making a claim, which is what you see a lot of. And as you started to explain this, I'm like, this dude is onto something. Alan Lazard, yeah. especially at ADP, is going to be owned by me in as many redraft leagues as possible. Um, and I've been able to do that. The decision comes down to in that round, do you want somebody like Chase Edmonds um, or uh, Damian what? Harris or Stevenson, or do you want a guy like Alan Lazard in your flex? And the answer to me is Alan Lazard. And it's because of the work that you've done. But if you have any new work or you want to reemphasize why that's the case, I'm here for it. Well, you know, we talk about how we, I, I just mentioned how Aaron Rodgers would just force feed Devontae Adams. 
in the red zone. And and that's because Aaron Rodgers likes his numbers. You know, he yeah. likes putting up those big gaudy numbers. We know that about Aaron Rodgers. And I think that he's going to do the same with Lazard. Lazard is six foot yeah. four. He's got hands like a bear trap. He profiles to be that guy in the red zone. You know, we're not going to see him throwing underneath routes to Randall Cobb once they get down to the goal line. He's going to yeah. be just throwing jump balls up to the biggest guy in the field, which happens to be Alan Lazard. So yeah. I don't know if, he, you know, he's not going to put up 160 targets, 170 targets like Devontae Adams did. But would it shock anybody if Alan Lazard finishes the season with 15, 18 touchdowns, just goes absolutely berserk at the goal line? I could absolutely see that I happening. I could see it. I mean, I definitely, I think 12, 10 to 12 to me is a very safe floor. Yeah. Whoa. When you're when you're deciding between Mooney, who I love, and Lazard, let's say they both get 140 targets. The efficiency of Alan Lazard's targets are so different, especially with the scoring opportunities they're going to have. Do you have Lazard over Mooney? I, I do. <laughs> Literally <laughs> <Okay>. one spot <laughs> ahead. Right. Alan Lazard, Lazard is my wide receiver 21, and Mooney is my wide receiver 22. That's, and, that's and like good. you said, you know, I, I think Mooney could see 140 targets from Justin Fields, and 100 targets from Aaron Rodgers is more valuable. Yeah. So I don't think wow. that he's going to pull the same target share. But last year, Aaron Rodgers had the sixth best passer rating in the NFL when targeting Alan Lazard. I mean, they have that connection down pat already. He loves the big it. thing is just schematically. When you're looking at how this right. team is going to work out, you know, MBS is gone. And Alan Lazard does not have the speed to play the MBS role. That's just not what he's able to do. He can't stretch the field as that flanker. That's going to be Christian Watson and Romeo Dupes. And then in the slot, it's going to be some sort of mix. We might see Tunyon in there a little bit. We're going to see maybe Amari Rodgers. But it's going to mostly be Aaron Jones and Randall Cobb playing the slot. There's only one guy that profiles to play the X receiver in this offense, and that's Alan Lazard. He's got the trust in the chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be the primary read on the majority of their passing plays. I mean, I've been talking about it all offseason, but Alan Lazard is going to smash this year. I love it. Don't come knocking on my door, Dustin. You had a chance to draft him. (laughs) I was just thinking that. I was like, I'm like, Dave, Dave. So everything that you're saying right now, I'm like, yes, keep going. And and now it's at the point everyone knows I'm the Alan Lazard guy, so it's impossible for me to draft him in draft. I'll be in the fifth round, and somebody will snipe me on Alan Lazard just so they can be like, ha ha, I got him, and you didn't. So when I'm in these underdog drafts, I'm still sprinkling them in, but any draft that's with people I know, it's impossible for me to get Alan Lazard. That's, that's part of it, man. Double-edged yeah. sword. I get a. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a 16 team uh, <clears throat> superflex league with Travis, and I I all off season I've gotten I've gotten nothing but Jacoby Brissett offers for Alan Lazard because I have one quarterback. <laughs> and it's like, Are hey, you man, in that? You need you're a in that league, the Jerry Maguire league. I am. He's, he's got he's got 800 leagues. You think oh, he, maybe he, not. You think he knows if we're in? I in thought the league we're, we're, we're in that Twitter content creator league. Oh together. yeah, that's I right. That's the one that there I thought go. was a dynasty startup, <laughs> and I traded back my picks, and I got Chris Godwin and Deshaun Watson, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go. That was me. You traded you traded the pick to me, and I took Mahomes. Yeah. So I, I <laughs> and, it, and it turned into dynasty, Watson. I yeah, it was a dynasty startup. And then I found out it's redraft afterwards, and I was just like, well, cool. Hopefully, this will be fun. I botched that one. I I swear when we were drafting, it said Dynasty at the time. And then after the draft, all of a sudden, it was a redraft league. Yeah, I remember that trade. I'm I'm texting Dustin like, that's a lot to give up for Mahomes. But he's like, not really. So I did it. And then you took Watson. I'm like, dang, that could really work out for him. And then it didn't. That's unfortunate. You can have have Jacoby, though. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's, yeah. yeah, No one wants Jacoby. Um, Man, that's that's a good point. Uh, I told... I really wanted to talk about Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson um, because right now it's like I, I make it a point in my life uh, just to be my happiest self and never draft a Patriots running back. Um, so I don't know what to do here because they're always sitting there and Ramondre Stevenson has been this, this, you know, boiling up, you know, a, a volcano, whatever you want to call him. He's, he's rising. And then for whatever reason, I don't know that Damian Harris has inherently done anything to cause himself to fall below Ramondre Stevenson. All he did was finish as the running back 15. Granted, he had 15 touchdowns and he doesn't receive passes much. Um, where, where do you have these guys falling in your hierarchy? Because I, it's a situation I'm never going to touch, but it's something I'm interested in, in, in getting some insight in from very far away. You know, I, I've still got uh, Damian Harris inside my top 24, and I think I'm the last one standing. You know, you everybody has, are. yeah, everybody has swung. And, and I got to say first, 
you can go back to, and find I, I was hyping up Damian Harris all last offseason and everybody was telling me I was crazy for it. And maybe I'm just trying to catch lightning in a bottle again here with the for Patriots sure. running back. But we were looking at, you know, in the 2020 season, if you look at the overall numbers at the end of the year, it looked like it was split between Sony Michelle and Damian Harris. But in the two games that they played together where they were both healthy, Damian Harris got three times as many touches. He was twice as productive with his touches. He got all of the goal line work. And I said, wow, you know, we, we didn't see a huge workload from Damian Harris. But when he and Sony Michelle were both healthy, Bill Belichick really preferred Damian Harris. Look right. at it last year, and we're looking at something kind of similar where these guys were, you know, we had some healthy scratches from Ramadre Stevenson. We had Damian Harris getting knocked out at halftime in a few games. Damian Harris. He was doghoused. Yeah, he fumbled yeah. at the goal line two or three times. That, he could have had eighteen yeah. or twenty touchdowns. Mm -hmm. But if and then he goes doghouse, and it's like, what? You know, you just hope that he comes back out because he was killing in the first half. And I think you you're talking it. about that Houston game where he fumbled, and I think they said it was a concussion. They said that he had an injury, okay. but I think yeah, I think he was doghouse. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, a, I had him. I had a share of him, and I was like, oh, he's going for for forty today. Yeah, he started. He I think killing. he had like a hundred. He had like a hundred yards and two touchdowns in the first half, and then yes. didn't touch the field in the second half. And and I think the the narrative at the time was a doghouse, and then it came out afterwards that he had suffered a concussion, and that's what knocked him out. But overall, we're right. looking at seven games where Damian Harris and Ramadre Stevenson were both healthy from beginning to end of the game, and in those games, Ramadre Stevenson had forty nine carries, two hundred sixty two yards, and a touchdown. Now that's decent, but. Damian sure. Harris had 109 yards over twice or 109 carries over twice as many. He had 442 yards over twice as many. Yeah. And where Ramadre Stevenson had one touchdown, Damian Harris had seven. The yeah, only person that saw wild. more carries inside the 10 yard line last year was Jonathan Taylor. Damian Harris profiled, or I'm sorry, ranked on PFF as the best running back in the league last year. So I think people just get so enamored with the shiny new toy and you know a couple yeah. people some Debbie guys were hyping up Ramadre Stevenson last year and then he had a handful of good games and now everyone thinks Ramadre Stevenson is still the guy no it's Damian Harris and we see Bill Belichick when a guy's on the last year of his career he's going to run Damian Harris into the ground Damian Harris is seeing 250 touches minimum this year I'm going to get wow. him Dustin okay gonna, I'll beat I, you that's <laughs> that is that's a spicy I didn't expect that look I've been down on Damian Harris I I I don't know I I, I don't see him repeating anything close to to what he did last year but maybe i'm wrong you know maybe maybe he does just have enough work to to make it relevant and maybe he can get close to you know 10 12 touchdowns again who knows in people's and mind also, it's a you 50, know, there's, 50 there's split the, and, sure. and that's what some reports are saying right now is that you know last year and, and it's always been with the patriots running backs everyone has a very specialized role they've got their early right. down guy they've got their goal line guy they've got their passing down guy and Damian Harris and Ramadre Stevenson are both do-it-all backs. And now with right. James White being out of the picture, some reports out of camp are that that is what it's going to be, that both of these guys are going to be playing on all three downs and it's going to be a little bit more of a rotation. And I like Ramadre Stevenson, don't get me wrong. I just think that Damian Harris is the better overall running back. And yeah. I think that Bill Belichick trusts him more. And then, like I already said, being on the last year of his contract, I think that because of that, they really run him into the ground. I like, I like it. it. I like it. I might have to take advantage of that. Then. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and you're getting him for cheap right now. I don't know if yeah. you've seen recent ADP, but you can get Damian Harris yeah. two rounds after Ramadre Stevenson. Nobody and that's what's crazy to me is people have like people have gone so crazy with the Ramadre Stevenson love and talking about the contingency wow. value if something happens to Damian Harris and he gets hurt. What happens if Ramadre Stevenson gets hurt? I yeah. mean, it goes both ways, yeah. and I think <laughs> the pendulum has just swung too far towards Ramadre wow. Stevenson at this point. Ramadre Stevenson is invincible. It is a fact. <laughs> that's 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 wild man all right before before we we let you get on with your life out of here uh real quick give me a tight end that you like late 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 in drafts after you missed all the hot names other than cole commit other than cole other commit. than cole commit <laughs> all right so we're, we're right. past zach Ertz. we're past cole yes. commit there's right. two guys that i like targeting and i i, I you know i kind of double tap these guys in the 16th 17th round of a lot of my drafts evan ingram and hayden hurst mm -hmm. And the reason Ooh. I like pairing these two guys up together is because I feel like they each have paths to very big seasons, but for different reasons. You know, Evan Ingram's sure. going to see it because of volume. You know, the, uh, Evan Ingram's not a guy that's going to have 50 catches and 15 touchdowns. You know, he's a right. guy that's probably going to see 100 to 120 targets this year. And the hit rate for uh, tight ends that see over 100 targets is pretty high. If he can crack into that 125 or more targets, he's got an 87% hit rate of finishing as a top three tight end over the last 20 years. So there's yeah. that possibility where he could really That's break out. Nice we grab. know that Doug Peterson loves tight ends. And, for you sure. know, a lot of people like to say, well, Doug Peterson had Zach Ertz and, you know, he had uh, Dallas Goddard and Travis Kelsey. 
but you can even look when those guys were hurt. He was force feeding nine targets a game to Richard Rodgers. I mean, this is just yeah. what Doug Peterson does. He wow. loves throwing the ball to tight ends. So Evan Ingram on a that team I really that like. needs some needs more pass catchers to step I, up. I mean, it's not like he's competing with three really good players. Right, and, and I like Christian Kirk, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Evan Ingram leads the team in targets at the end of the season. I mean, we just wow, we, we used listen. to see with Zach Ertz back in the day, and this team they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. I mean, if we're talking super late, I don't even hate Dan Arnold. I mean, I drafted him yeah. in the final round of my Scott Fishbowl, Scott yeah. Fishbowl draft. But the other guy I like is Hayden sure. Hurst for completely yes. opposite reasons. I don't think that he's going to see anywhere near 100 targets. He probably won't even see more than 60 targets. But we saw with CJ Uzuma, mm-hmm. you know, the, the defenses get so focused on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on both sides of the field that it leaves the right. middle of the field wide open. And that's where yeah. Hayden Hurst does his best. So I can see Hayden Hurst, you know, just kind of stumbling into a dozen touchdowns this year and you've got the high floor guy in Evan Ingram and then you've got the high ceiling guy in Hayden Hurst. I really like pairing those two up in, in builds. I like that. I like that Very a lot. Well said right there. Two Hayden targets. Hurst reminds me a lot of uh, like Austin Hooper um, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. So I, I like Another that. late round target that I like. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hooper. I find myself drafting a lot of David Njoku lately. Um you know, for nothing other than the fact that he's probably going to be the number two target on that team. Um, Just got a big so, deal, too. Jacoby yeah. Brissett likes that short part of the field, and that's where David Njoku operates. And yeah, I, I love Njoku, too. <laughs> Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, David Njoku, Gerald Everett. That's that's my comfort zone for tight ends. You know, if I right. can't get one of the top three guys, for me, it's Travis Kelsey, uh, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. I want one of those three. If I'm right. not getting any of those guys, I'm not even looking at tight ends until I get to the Cole Komet and under tiers. Right. Okay, so so no Goddard, no Ertz. I guess Ertz is in the Komet tier. Um, yeah, at least and at age. He started to creep up a bit. You want to grab so one Schultz. of those two, if possible, and then one of the later guys. Well, with how or many drafts I do? I mean, nobody is off my draft board. If anybody slides, I'll take them at the right price. You know, I, I right. I'm not a TJ Hawkinson fan, but if he slides around and a half past ADP, I'll take him. And the same thing with all of these other guys. The only guys that I'm really targeting at ADP. It get, it's once you get to Zach Ertz, Cole Komet, I'll take those two guys at ADP. And then after that, it's like we said, Gerald Everett, Najoku, Ingram, right. and uh, and Hayden Hurst. Love it. Love it, man. Hey, well, hey, thank you so much for, for taking the time, man. It's it's awesome to to really hear your process. And I, I, look, I'm glad you say you're a Bears fan. I need you to drop the Packers as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, it's just... It, it doesn't feel good, okay? I, I need, it's gonna be a rough. You poured you poured a, a bunch of water through a wet blanket on my hopes and dreams. They weren't really that bright anyway. But at I least when the taking, touchdown is yeah. is against the the Bears, it'll be to Lazard. So you'll it's kind of a loss anyway right. win at the same time. Exactly, and we could always <laughs> just right. you know if you really want to you know get into it a little bit, you could just wait for the Packers to choke in the postseason, and then you can have, have oh, your fun. Okay, okay. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> now we're getting to the barstool part of the interview. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dave, man. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for everybody for listening. Um, Dave, uh, is there any is there anything special you have going on? I know people can find you over um, Football Guys. Um, follow you at Dave Kluge on Twitter. Anything else special before we get you out of here? No, just follow me on Twitter at Dave Kluge and then four shows a week over at Football Guys, writing articles, doing the social media, all that fun stuff, doing a mock draft tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, just just follow us at footballguys.com. I was a huge fan of Football Guys before I ever even started working there. I was a 15-year awesome. member. So just Love you that. know, working for my dream website, it's a great company, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of what they're doing. Very Living cool. the Big dream. Big fans of you guys. Living the dream. Thanks so much for taking the time, Dave. It's been a pleasure having you on. As always, thank you for listening, and remember, losing sucks. Don't do it. <laughs>